Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik and I'm joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, uh, how's it going? It's going really poorly. How are you today? <laughs> I am not complaining about anything again ever because you've had a shitty, shitty health week. Yeah, what I thought was an ear infection turned out to be shingles. So I'm actually in a fair amount of pain right now. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I shouldn't laugh because that hurts. <laughs> uh, listeners, we're going to keep things short this week uh, as much as we can because Noel's dealing with freaking shingles. So, uh, yeah, as as much as I'm sure everybody wants to hear our extended thoughts on like episode two or like episode four of Lethal Weapon and, you know, all of these different shows, we're pretty much just keeping it to premieres and finales this week. Um and 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 the flash where it's going to be it's going to be a shorter week uh this week on the podcast last week we went like three hours though so i feel like turnabout's fair play that should be fine um anyways um i do want to mention that we heard on the facebook group from i'm gonna butcher this okay dominic le mieux la liberté something like that dominic from quebec uh thank you for writing in sir we always love hearing from listeners and uh noel dominic checked out steven universe because of the podcast so it's very exciting for us because we're always happy when somebody joins the steven camp um we uh the i i just discovered the um black nerd power podcast because of their luke cage episode they did and they're they're big steven universe people too so it's been a very steven universe week for me and my TV viewing, I watched the shorts. We're going to talk about that later this week. I'm, I'm just, I'm missing Steven Universe something fierce. Yeah, so am I. I was actually watching the shorts a little bit again before we came on to talk about it and finished the Steven Reacts video and was like, oh, this is exactly how I'm feeling about missing Steven Universe. Who knows when the new episode will be? Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, at least we have the shorts. At least we can revisit some of the the older material to keep us to keep us, uh, you know, getting our Stephen fix until they were back with new episodes. Um, this week we have a lot of fun TV to talk about, a lot of interesting premieres, and a couple finales. Um, at the end of the show, we'll be joined by Latoya Ferguson, uh, who's coming back to the DVD shelf this week to talk Beverly Hills 90210, uh, which was, I had never seen any of it before. It was, it was just so 90s, Noel. It's just so very 90s. It is very, very 90s from what they discuss to how they discuss it to the close. To every, to the everything. So yeah. we will... That'll be coming at the end of the podcast, guys. Uh, always lovely to have Latoya on. Of course, uh, from you know, you can see her writing over at the AV Club. Um, we also heard from a couple other people this week, but again, we're trying to keep things uh, moving forward because of uh, Noel's shingles and the significant pain. He's he's not complaining about because he's a better person than I am. Um, so oh, we're trying to me smile. It hurts when I smile. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no laughing, no smiling, only dour conversations, which is going to be hard because I'm leading into the next uh, segment with the Steven Universe song, but we'll we'll do our best here. Um, but now we will, let's take a break and we'll come back with our week in TV right after this. I can't help it if I make a scene, stepping out of my hot pink limousine. I'm turning heads and I'm stopping traffic. When I pose, they scream and when I joke, they laugh. I've got to terrorize that they're getting. 
getting lost in. They're hypnotized by my word of walking. I go and dazzled like a stage magician. When I point, they look, and when I talk, they listen well. Everybody needs a friend, and I've got you and you and you. So many I can't even name them. Can you blame me? I'm too famous. Tommy, haven't you noticed that I'm a star? I'm coming into view as the world is turning. Haven't you noticed I made it this far? Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. <laughs> that was the latest version of Haven't You Noticed I'm a Star from Steven Universe, the karaoke version from this week's, uh, or not this week, but this these recent batch of Steven Universe shorts. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but first I'm going to kick things off with a preview of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's do the time warp again, which is the the new version uh, starring Laverne Cox. It's going to be airing next week on Fox. Uh, we're going to talk about the Supergirl premiere, The Adventures of Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow had its premiere out of time. We'll also talk about The Flash Paradox. Then we'll talk about the Steven Universe shorts uh, before we move on to Fresh Off the Boat, which had its premiere coming from America. Then RuPaul's Drag Race had its finale, All-Star Supergroup, and so did Halt and Catch fire nim slash next nim and next or the last two episodes of that season so much tv to talk about here uh but first up is rocky horror picture show now noel do you have a relationship with rocky horror picture show uh not a really huge one like my biggest rocky horror picture show story is that my girlfriend at the time took me to a um inner immersive kind of like fan callback experience for one then alana does one at the um at a theater in downtown that's very, very popular. It's been running for years. And I had never been to that before, but I don't really like Rocky Horror that much. I think it's fine. But, like, a, being surrounded by a bunch of people who really like Rocky Horror when you're the only one who doesn't maybe particularly like it makes for a really negative experience because <laughs> you're just like, oh, I could have needed to watch this again because I hadn't in a few years and I don't know all the lyrics in the same way everybody else around me does. This isn't that fun, but it's, I like it just fine, but it's never been like a big thing for me. Uh, what about you? I enjoy Rocky Horror. I've only seen it a few times. Um, shout out to friends of the show, uh, Cooper and the rest of the, uh, you know, and Miko and, and Ophelia from Eat the Rude cast and uh, Life in the Swing set. Because, you know, I know they're, they're bigger Rocky Horror fans, particularly I know Cooper went as Frankenfurter last year to, to a live um, uh rocky horror like stage show film like kind of experience i i know that there's a lot of our, our listeners who will have stronger relationships with this source material than i have it was one of the first movies that i watched with my i watched it with my my brother brother-in-law when he moved to america i was like probably the first movie we sat around in the basement and at my parents' house and all watched after he moved to the United States. So that was an interesting and, and my dad hadn't seen it in years and years and i hadn't seen it in probably probably like 10 years maybe at that point and my sister and brother-in-law had never seen it so it was just a very entertaining experience to to dive in with this source material um when i the last time i I saw it so seeing this new version i was i was excited about it but somewhat leery as to um you know you're not going to recapture that i don't think i and trying to recapture the glory the very specific camp sensibilities and uh, awareness and fun of the original um seemed like it was going to be quite a challenge i i enjoy the way that they kind of do it where there's this uh, there's this 
um, you know, the, that's why they have the let's do the time warp again, like kind of version subtitle, because they cut to the like reaction shots of, of a crowd in a theater. And so you get some of like the 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 beats that fans of the state of the show of the interactive you know production will be familiar with um but though there's a few of those not enough to really be very distracting for me but um it does they do step on the anticipation line in a way that you're not going to recapture tim curry's gloriousness in of that moment so they want to do something a little different with it some of that stuff is successful some of it less so like that specific moment but um i do think they on the whole got very good singers the, the music is good the singing is good um i'm not a purist so others who are who have stronger connections to the originals um might have might be more discerning about me than than that but i did think in general the vocals were very good um i like you know laverne cox brings something very different to frank and Ferger, of course than than tim curry does um, some in some moments, some 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 things that that ch- change of that character from obviously being played by a cis man to a transgender uh, woman of color, certain moments become less subversive and certain moments become more subversive, and so it's it's interesting. But but on the whole, it was a lot of fun. They really won me over. I mean, Annalie Ashford is fabulous as Columbia. Um, and, uh, actually Reeve Carney, who people know from, um, uh, Penny Dreadful as the weakest, one of the weakest parts of Penny Dreadful is really good as Riff Raff in this too. So I actually, on the whole, I think it's a lot of fun. I think people will really enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to watching the live tweet or like watching along as much as I can next week. Um, <laughs> or I should say, I'll be checking Twitter when I'm out of town, unable to watch live, but I. I think it's a good, a, a smart move to not do it live, to do this film version, you know, that lets them do special effects, it lets them be more cinematic, and I think that was a smart move with this. It'll be interesting to see how this affects the whole live musical experience. Going with Rocky Horror is something that really encourages interaction online, which is a big part of wanting to do it live, um, so that you get that, you know, these live musical performances, you get a built-in audience because people want to experience it all together. Because it's such an interactive property, because it's such a cult phenomenon, I think they they will still be able to get that energy of everybody wanting to watch it across the country together. I don't know if that'll translate to other properties they could do in this manner where it's filmed all beforehand and just aired as opposed to being performed live. But I think it's it's a smart idea to 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 try to transition to that. And we'll see if, if audiences catch on. But you know how picky I am, Noel, about singing and about music and about musicals. So it it means something, I think, when I say that for me, the vocals were good, the instrumentation was was solid, and it was it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I almost watched it this week, but then I ran out of like mental space, and I basically have just been binging Murder She Wrote episodes, which is a very <laughs> legitimate choice. I wholeheartedly <sighs> applaud that. Yeah. You don't want to be too. You don't want too much smiling right yeah. now. So you know we were going to talk about uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's SNL, but again, we don't want too much smiling during Shingles Week. So um, yeah, another time for that, and perhaps another time for this. Do you think you'll you'll watch live and try to do that thing, or do you think you'll just kind of wait and see what people say? I'll probably watch it on the Fox Screener site and uh, do mm-hmm. that um, at some point before it airs. But yeah. That's how I'll probably yeah. watch it. If people are watch this, I would I would be curious to know what but diehard fans 
think about it and how they how they think how well they they feel like the the the, the film does or the you know Fox and everybody did with this and who their standouts were in in the cast. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I thought I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to seeing what people have to say um up next we have supergirl which had its premiere the adventures of supergirl and this of course not only are we happy to have ray of sunshine uh melissa benoist back in our lives but they introduced superman and i thought that tyler oh my goodness i can't remember his last name it starts with an l right no it starts with an h it's um an h hoichen hoichen yeah people are gonna my bad people are gonna butcher me for that because he's a big teen wolf star and well, I didn't even know was I didn't have the letter right, so you're one up on me. Um, he was introduced as Superman this in this premiere, and I thought he he just immediately fit the the show so well, and I was very glad that that he's along for the ride. How did you feel about this premiere? Uh, I thought it was a pretty good premiere. I liked how they handled the whole oh we have a whole new DEO office now because we've we've moved to Vancouver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um so I thought they did an okay I thought they did a fine job with that and I did appreciate the introduction that we got from Clark slash uh Superman um with um Tyler. We'll just say Tyler. And because um, we're best buds. Um I thought he did a really nice job capturing capturing both Superman and Clark Kent um really, really nicely, so I enjoyed that a lot. Um uh I always like when Clark's kinda goofy. And a little silly. Um, so that came through quite a bit, that he still has that kind of air of Smallville about him. So I always really like when that's reflected in the character's performance. And, um, yeah, no, I thought it was a fine premiere. Um, kind of like a more kind of set up so that they could do the Metallo thing at the end. So the big adventure with um, Lex's sister um, being targeted and that sort of stuff didn't really... It wasn't as compelling as just watching Kara and Clark interact with one another, basically, for the entire episode. But, so that was my um, that was my big takeaway. The other big takeaway, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it, was the show going, yeah, um, no, we're not going to uh, have uh, Kara and James be a thing. After two missed dates, they just kind of went, yeah, no, this isn't a good idea. We're not going to do this anymore. Which is basically the show saying that, and that's what the producers have said, is that they were just like, yeah, we felt like we had to do this, and then we just went, oh, we don't want to do this, so we're not going to. And it kind of come off, comes off in that execution of them just deciding not to date one another after missing two dates. How did you feel about how that played out? I think um, I'm of two minds, because I applaud them just saving time. And just saying, you know what, this is not a good idea. We're going to cut bait before it even we waste. Several, instead of being like, well, but we we built this, so we have to do. You know, I applaud them just cutting bait when they realize they have a bad idea. However, I've seen other shows do this better, um, and so I think they could have instead of just the way that it was handled here. I think even just having they could have turned it into instead of just like I changed my mind nobody asks any questions about it um they even just have like the once the idea that the the all the flirtation and the build up to it if they actually go out and they're like oh this isn't what we thought it was going to be actually like and have the date be underwhelming for both and have them both kind of just be like oops i guess the idea of us dating was what was really exciting, but in reality, we don't fit as well. I think we're better as friends. I think that would have worked a lot better 
than what they actually yeah. do here. Yeah, I agree with that. Hi, Katie. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that totally. Like, I, I think there needed to be one actual date as opposed to two missed dates that never came, never happened, um, to justify this as opposed to, oh, she's just so busy figuring herself out. And, and she is, I mean, she's very much trying to figure herself out, but I'm, I was just kind of like, nah, this isn't great. But at the same time, the two of them have never really had any romantic chemistry for me as actors. So mm -hmm. I was actually, I was very happy that they just kind of went, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And that's fine. I'm, I, I, I'm glad that this is now kind of out of the way. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that not only did they have the two of the, the two characters, you know, moving towards dating and being interested in each other and spent a lot of less season on it, but they had several other characters comment on how they should be together. And how it was, you know, like with Lucy Lane and with Alex and, you know, and, and with uh, Kat. So to have all of it be like, never mind, everybody who said that this is obviously you two have chemistry, we're all wrong. Um, it's a bit, it doesn't quite work. Um, and it also feels very thrown in at the end of the episode. Um, but on the, you know, on the other, like, aside from that... I thought this was a really fun premiere. And like you said, I really like my Clark Kent slash Superman on the dorky side. Yeah. I think it works so much better. And it's also so very much more interesting than angsty, broody Superman that we've been getting in the cinematic universe. Or I should say, as I understand, we've been getting because I was not going back after Man of Steel. I uh, powered through that and have not seen uh, live action Superman since then because i certainly was not going to sit through either suicide squad or batman versus superman um but yeah this this the the idea of him as the boy scout um the the nerdiness i mean this is somebody who is a super super he's basically god on earth is as so many of these different versions of the character love exploring um but he decides to go to school and get a journalism degree like only a nerd is going to do that. So I think I think this this version of the character works much better and they managed to balance the sweetness of of Clark and of uh Kara uh, and with enough sassiness that it it works really well and they complement each other instead of it being a saccharine like just too much over the top. I think that that works well. I'm less I'm not really interested in in um Lex's sister and all of that. Um but I'm encouraged by Wynn's new position that he'll actually get something to do. And uh, I've heard that seeing as Callista Flockhart won't be around anymore, I've heard rumblings that maybe um, Jimmy's going to be picking up more of the leadership role at Catco, which would give him something to do. So this is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is all encouraging progress in the right direction. I think Supergirl will be very, it felt very much of a piece of season one tonally to me. I think the show is going to be really at home on the CW. Yeah, uh, I think it'll work really well in CW, and I think um, Flockhart's last episode for a little while is um, actually next is this coming Monday's episode, and then we get Snap so yeah, and then we get us uh, Ian Gomez coming in as Snapper Carr, um, uh, starting in like episode three, I think, uh, to kind of assume kind of an authorial position on the show, at least with the Catco stuff. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, we will keep you all posted if we have more thoughts on Supergirl moving forward. I'm just very glad that it's back. I mean, friend of the show, Les Chapel, has been catching up with Supergirl and also watching him tweet about the just bubble of joy that is uh, Melissa Benoist's, uh, Benoist's sorry, performance on the show has been just very heartwarming. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have, if we can't have Steven Universe, we can at least have some Supergirl action, you know, some some uplifting, some positive, some sisterhood TV in, in our schedule. I think that's a good thing. I think so, too. Our next show is Legends of Tomorrow, Out of Time. And I have a couple questions. First of all, I would like to know what you thought of this structure, you know, that they have to the season and, and to this episode of bringing back villains we're more familiar with, like Damian Dark, which clearly has to be a step up from last season. Um, but also, they add to the team, they add a historian, and they can't add a lady? Come on! This is... They gotta add another white dude? This is a cast full of white dudes. And we got one lady, and we got one not-white dude. Um, why did they have to make this historian be so much in the disappointing, like, CW pretty person mold? Like, wh- wh- why? Why, Noel? Uh, I wish I had a good answer for that, because um, I don't. Um, like, we've got um, Maureen McCabe's grandmother coming up, um, because the original woman who played Vixen on Arrow last season wasn't available to take over. Um, so they decided to, like, to do her grandmother as the Vixen that will be on the show this season. So she's coming on um, at some point. I don't know when. Um, so that kind of doesn't totally solve the issue of the fact that it's basically just a big crew of white guys now. Um, which is really disappointing because there's a whole slew of interesting DC characters that they could have gotten instead of going for this guy who has a connection to the old Justice Society of America, which is what the historian has. Um, so it's it's not the best choice, um, and Zano is never my particularly favorite actor, even though he's more lively here than he is he was on Minority Report last year. Um as far as the structure goes, I really, in, it's still a very fun show. Like, they just realized from the tail end of season one that this is a show that thrives on fun. So doing a whole bunch of vignettes of gathering up everyone in various time periods um, is very funny. But also just doing it during, like, 18th century France. And everyone are wondering where Sarah is. And Sarah is, of course, seducing the Queen of France. Um, um, being seduced by being seduced by no that's a good point um, <laughs> um, it's just really great and also it's just it's just fun to see them in really low rent period costumes and um, <laughs> but it was it was just very fun it was very silly and it's exactly the type of thing that the show needs needed needs to do to keep itself like afloat because if they do some things really serious then it doesn't really work very well as we found out um, last season, which is why like doing Damien Dark, Reverse Flash, and then very soon Malcolm Merlin and Captain Cold as the Legion of Doom um, is pretty exciting as well, um, since those are going to be the primary antagonists for them this season. Um, is pretty cool and pretty exciting. So I'm I'm in, I'm interested to see what they can do. But like you, I'm very much like oh, it's just a group of white guys and one black guy and one lady. Uh, not not the best choices, guys. Not the best choices. No. But you know what uh, I gotta say? Uh, you know what I love? I love roasted Nazis. 
<laughs> That's what we need. We need we need more of Mick roasting Nazis and and grumbling about how everybody else screwed up and he left his fancy gun on the ship like he was supposed to. <laughs> I, I, the the they've really uh, captured in this first episode, like you said, the fun that that made the second half of Legends really come together. Um, losing Rip for a while also not a problem. As much as I enjoy Arthur Darville. Uh, this has not, I don't think that combination of the character and the performance and the group dynamic has ever really come together like it should. Uh, I'm not going to miss him if he's gone for a while. Um, so yeah, seeing, you know, bringing in the justice society, I think has a lot of potential and just embracing the comic bookiness, just like the, the over the top, the, the fun, the energy, the whiz bang of that, I think is a very strong step in the right direction. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that a lot of it just has to do with the fact that they're in that kind of fun, happy mode where we really responded to the flash and we're still responding to Supergirl. And before they had like the tonal drift that the flash has had and um, into like a more arrow E type of mentality, which is exactly what legends of tomorrow especially needs to avoid um, going forward is drifting into grim, dark um, type of stuff. Uh, that would be, death to this show on all sorts of fronts um so especially for this cast um who seems much more better suited for this kind of jokey action comedy than they necessarily would for a more serious drama not to say that none of these actors can do that because they probably all can and we know that some of them actually can but their talents are better executed doing this kind of stuff i think yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. Um, and I think that's a good way, you know, let's transition over here to The Flash. We had on uh, on Flash and, you know, theoretically with, with Legends of Tomorrow, we're going to have timeline jiggery-pokery. Like, they're messing with stuff. And on Arrow now, assume, presumably, <laughs> Diggle's daughter is now a son. <laughs> they, they doubled down on Flash in the second episode here, Paradox, on no, 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 the timeline has changed. And it's not just that, like, this little thing of, like, oh, Iris and her dad don't talk. You know, but it's Cisco's brother's dead. John Diggle has a son instead of a daughter. Like, there's are significant changes in the lives of the supporting characters. Um, and I'm, I, you were glad, to you, the, the end of the premiere with this change with Iris was indicative of a larger like sense of the stakes and the, the, the consequences of the time travel for me, it felt, uh, you know, more contrived than that. I'm very glad that I was wrong and that you were right. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that your concern was well justified and I'm glad that like the show kind of answered that concern by going, no, we weren't totally going to restart Barry and Iris. We're just going to, delay it for just an episode and now we're going to get them back to where exactly where they were because i mean they had the porch kiss in this episode and it's just like oh okay we're all set we're back oh, exactly where we were in the finale and it's just like oh that's a real relief but i was really glad that there are a number of differences even if the episode resolved a lot of those differences very quickly so the Barry and Iris thing got resolved very quickly. Iris and Joe got resolved very quickly, but that was, both of those were for the best since I didn't want the show to drag out Barry and Iris again because no. And the Iris and Joe thing was something we'd already seen in season two over Francine. If it had been something different, then I would have been more supportive of them giving that more due. But since it was the same thing that we've already done, there's not a whole lot of difference that they could make with that. 
So I was glad that they did that. Um, so, but I'm hoping things like Cisco's resentment of Barry isn't like completely gone after just a quick team up in the field. Um, that that's something that they can continue to explore and Cisco's grief because Carlos Valdez was really really great in those scenes. Uh, no surprise, but he was really really great in those scenes. So I enjoyed that. And um, but then there are plenty of other things that we get to find out more about, like if one of those husks is actually Caitlin. Because she's got her she's got her killer frost powers, and she isn't telling anyone, and that doesn't bode well for anyone. And I mean, there is an episode called Killer Frost coming up. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, but it's, so we've got something in the pipeline for Caitlin coming, and that's that's exciting, and I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, so this episode was just really was really more set up and lended itself to the idea that very much the premiere, like you suggested, should have been the epilogue to last season, and that this really should have been the premiere because this is very much setting things up for this season in a number of ways, including and we haven't even talked about Draco Malfoy being on the show yet. Um, so why don't you talk about Draco a little bit and also some of the how you felt about how they tied up a bunch of potential consequences in this episode. I enjoy, obviously, um, that actor who's Tom, Tom Felton. Felton. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say his name escapes me, but I it didn't. Tom Felton. I enjoy him. I don't really need a external force to be against the team. It feels like he's there to to either be connected to alchemy in some way, um, be revealed as a ha ha ha. It's been so and so the whole time, or to fill sort of the Eddie role of antagonist that he filled briefly when he was like on the anti whatever task force um i don't know i don't feel like there's a lot of space in the show there's already so many characters and several of them end up underserved not infrequently um and with wally being part of the team now and more like more involved that you know you're again you're diluting how much time we can spend with the crew together and also with the like you're diluting how much time each character can get in a given episode by adding more and more characters um he's fine here uh it could be fun everybody else liking him except barry is is fun um but yeah i don't think we necessarily needed that and how like that means that barry can't do his super fast work thing any anymore think that would be limiting but maybe that's the point i don't know i'm, I'm sort of uh, on the fence about that character right now as for the rest of it i also appreciate that in this episode they they address the concerns from the first episode but they also very specifically towards that point they say yeah another speedster let's stop that instead we're going to do this alchemy guy <laughs> um and I th i'm glad that they commit to that and that they show such an awareness of yeah we know we're not doing another speedster as a big bad you know trust us except they are uh, well, no, there's another speedster coming this season. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Alchemy's not. No, Alchemy's so not. That's a good change. No. So, no, that's a good thing. But, no, there is another speedster coming this season. Ugh. You can't let me live in that moment of denial for a while? No, I can't. Sorry, it's the shingles making me do it. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Do you have any final thoughts on The Flash? Uh, I kind of disagree with you about, um, Julian, uh, Tom Felton's characters. I'm just, I'm kind of glad to see a character who's not immediately charmed by Barry Allen. And that, I think, just creates some really interesting potential dynamics for the show to explore. Someone who just doesn't like Barry. Because everyone in the world likes Barry. 
Um, and everyone in the other world likes Barry. Um, so <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that there is someone who does not like Barry Allen. And if you need someone to not like someone who everyone else likes, you get Tom Felton because, I mean, he played Draco Malfoy and that whom better to not like someone everyone likes than Draco Malfoy. Um, so I enjoyed that. So I'm intrigued to see what kind of tensions he brings to the table. Um, I hadn't even thought about like the not able to do his super fast uh, CSI stuff now, but that's actually a really good point, and I'm intrigued to see what that effect has on his job, if any. Probably not any, because they don't care about his job. But we'll see. Maybe they do now. <laughs> well, if he has to do his work at a if he has to do his work at a regular person pace, he might not be able to run off, to, you know, save the world all the time without it affecting his job performance. So we'll see if that comes up in any meaningful way. Uh, the other thing I'll mention is that the other thing, the issue I had with the Tom Felton character is that it, it just reminded me a lot of the Dexter pilot. And when Dexter's going around bringing donuts to everyone and everybody loves Dexter, except the one guy in the office who just, uh, you know, dokes, it's like, mm, I don't trust you. Everybody else likes you, but I don't trust you. It just felt very directly paralleling that, of course, but without very, being a serial killer <laughs> or is he so i might be the only one who made that connection i don't know um but yeah we'll see we'll see how that develops i i enjoy when we've got these different takes on, on some of these characters it's a lot more fun yeah i agree <laughs> yeah well next up is steven universe and we had a series of shorts uh that you you watched last week but i was behind the times on so i caught up with them this week we had a new karaoke version of having you notice i'm a star which of course we led into the segment with we had um a new song from steven we had some other adorableness what did you think of these shorts i really liked them um i didn't particularly care for the um new song from steven uh but i'm not musically inclined so a lot of that was kind of lost on me but the other ones were really really good i enjoyed um i enjoyed how like at least a couple of them were done like as web videos which i thought was really fun so like the um lion's cooking show making snack sushi with by the way sounds terrible like i would i would not eat avocado <laughs> and cheese puffs rolled as sushi um that sounds terrible but um, I liked how, like, there was a Stephen points up to a box to click to make the sushi rice recipe video. And so I enjoyed that play on cooking how-to videos and that kind of thing. So I thought that was really fun. And I enjoyed his uh, reaction to the sad breakfast friends. And his thrill at theory confirmed when it was angry lunch friends that came. and But they all formed brunch! Um, which was really, really funny, and I appreciated the in-joke of, who knows when the next episode will be, wink, and it's just like, oh, show, that's so mean, <laughs> don't remind me, uh, but no, these were a really nice set of, um, episodes to kind of, like, tied us over a little bit, um, before we get actual new episodes sometime soon, I hope, knock on wood. Uh, how did you feel about them? Yeah, I thought they were cute and fun. I liked the, like you said, the awareness, the the them being shot like web videos, the Skype conversation mm -hmm. that we got was also really fun in that same way. Um, yeah, they, they were just very bite-sized morsels. Um, there's some music, there's some comedic, um, there's some very self-aware with the sad breakfast friends and everything. Uh, yeah, and it just, again, it it, it feels like the writers reaching out to the fans and saying, yes, I know we gave you an entire summer of episodes 
all the time. You kind of get used to us being around and we're going away, but we love you guys. Uh, and, and I, I appreciate that, um, that awareness from, from the creatives at the show. Yeah. And I, I, I think that your mention of like the self-awareness of like breakfast trends, um, I didn't even click into the fact that, I mean, that's technically an episode about fusions until you just yep. said that. And I just went, Oh my God, my mind is blown. They did that in three minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed that as well. Um, now, like right now is I just kind of like did a little Hillary Clinton shimmy and happiness um, <laughs> at that. Um, but yeah, no, I really appreciated that they gave us these things and they've given them to us before. Like the season two apparently had these and I just was not aware of that. Um, so I was glad when I saw people talking about these so I could hunt them down and watch them. Yeah. Well, we were very glad to get some more time with Steven. I was also glad this week to get more time with the with the Wangs, um, Eddie Wang and um, the rest of the of the family in Fresh Off the Boat's premiere coming from America. So we saw the whole family go to Taiwan uh, for for the Randall Park character whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, brother's wedding, and uh, also for because you know. Constance Blue has been wronged by her brother-in-law, so she just handily just checks that little box on the form. I love that uh, on the you... form. <laughs> of course, yeah. How did you feel about this premiere? And let's compare it to another, you know, big destination premiere, which of course is Blackish. Blackish, you can know, fellow suck ABC it. comedy. <laughs> Blackish, yeah. How, so, so this was a bigger success for you? Yeah, no. It's like fresh off the boat went to actually went to Taiwan. They went to Taiwan, Kate. And filmed in Taiwan for their premiere, and Blackish gets to go do an ABC commercial. Um, I feel like Fresh Off the Boat got the better end of that whatever budget deal happened to make this work. Um, so I, I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed this episode mainly for the Jessica stuff, which I thought was really really funny of her realizing that um, the U.S. is really her home now, and that. Taiwan's moved on in a way that she just wasn't expecting and her realization that she can thrive and do well in the United States uh, really coalesced with um, Randall Park's character whose name I also cannot remember um, of realizing that he was doing really well in the United States even if he had to like start from nothing as opposed to uh, Ken Jong. Uh, character who basically stayed and ended up with a really hot wife and a really great splashy marriage and all this stuff that was very successful uh, but but because he stayed so I think that there's a big value in realizing that both of them kind of got exactly what they wanted from like the American experience basically and I really enjoyed how that was woven throughout the episode through really fun things like Jessica's inability to get a deal at the uh, market and getting cheap knockoff Nikes, but the really cheap knockoff Nikes, not the good cheap knockoff Nikes and that sort of thing. So I really enjoyed all of that episode and I thought it was really very funny. Um, I didn't even get tired of the ghost jokes and I thought for sure I was going to get tired of the ghost jokes and I did not get tired of the ghost jokes. Uh, did you get tired of the ghost jokes? How did you feel about this episode overall as well? I got close, but wound up not. They 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 towed the line and then pulled it back with the last one. Um, that you know, because when they were getting tired, them mentioning being tired of the ghost references and then making another ghost reference was the right way to handle that for me at least. Uh, that that worked 
very nicely. Uh, I also, yeah, I, I, Jessica's stuff was great. I was having flashes. Uh, it was reminding me of the the Broad City, you know, uh, handbag <laughs> subplot, <laughs> which I think is a better version of this, but um, a more entertaining version, I should say. But this was, you know, that 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 also tied into some significant emotions for um, for Alana's mother. Um, but but the you know, I, th- I think the stuff that we saw with the kids worked pretty well. The the stuff with Eddie, um, like the the random like music video thing, didn't work for me at all. I could have cut that all out completely. But I don't have a connection to to hip hop and rap and mu- the music videos of the '90s. That I'm sure that must have been referencing something <laughs> that I just wasn't getting. Um, but aside from that, I, I really liked what the stuff we got with Emery and Evan, and you know. Uh, inner beauty is all that matters, and it's easy to say that when you're an adorable little moppet whose face isn't covered in mosquito bites. Right. Um, so I thought that that was, I thought that was a lot of fun. The stuff that we got um, with the family worked well. I liked that we got some calling out of, "Hey, how come you're so bitter to me about me being the one to go to America when you have an awesome life here and you're very happy?" And I liked that they actually had some conflict about that and actually talked about it. Um, yeah, just. Usually when we see these vacation, like kind of destination episodes or the whole family goes on spring break or it's a, it's a st- sitcom staple, usually it doesn't tie into as significant a, a reasoning and a motivation as what we get in this episode. And so uh, that gave it a lot more depth and a lot more, you know, resonance that they could draw upon um, just for the characters specifically, but just culturally on like these larger ideas. And that really helped. Um, give a why so it's not just eh, they've got a lot of money so they can just do stuff the way that seems to happen on modern family all the time uh this this felt a lot more organic and and almost like necessary in a certain way uh, if you're going to do a big episode like this it being the family going to taiwan I, I thought really worked um so yeah i thought it was fun yeah and i think that's a really good point that you make about these uh sitcom vacation episodes that very quickly tie into well, we're just going to do it to do it, and we're kind of going to write it all off. But at the same time, it's just like they spent a lot of money to do this. Like they flew economy plus, and um, yeah, very fancy. Um, so it's it's and they paid for the headphones, also very big deal. Um, so I I liked that stuff, and I like how that can create a layer of conflict later where they're just like, no, we can't afford things because we went to Taiwan, which will be like a fun thing for the show to be like, well, we can't afford any of the kids, the guest star kids anymore because we went to Taiwan. Um, <laughs> Bottle episode because we went to Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, type of thing. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see how all of that's going to play out. And I really want, I did you love the stinger as much as I did? Because I was really worried that, they were going to break up in the stinger. And then it's just like, no, the dream's over. Shaq has been traded and moved to a different, different team. <laughs> I laughed really hard. Cause I was really worried that they were going to break up. Cause I actually kind of really like Eddie and Jessica. It's not Jessica. Jessica's his mom. Um, I can't remember his girlfriend's name, but I really like their dynamic. And I like that. She yeah. was just very cool about the fact that he couldn't find a fax machine to use. <laughs> it's a, it's a week. And but like his, anxiety about it felt very true and very yeah. real um but and her complete like it's a week I, I saw you last week it's not a big deal yeah uh, also felt very real so that that was that worked really um really nicely and you're right it was a good stinger to have at the end here um but yeah it was a, it was a fun premiere 
but now let's move on to our our next episode. We have a couple finales here, and I'm curious your thoughts on the Drag Race finale, All Stars Supergroup. We've been calling Alaska as the winner since the beginning of the season. It's not a surprise that she that she won. Um, do you feel like it was earned? Do you feel like it was deserved, or was it frustrating for you? What did, What do you think about this finale and how the whole season has really come together? Um, I think I feel like this was like you said, we had been calling this for a while. So it was very much like a long commercial for Alaska's ascension within the world of wonder family. And that's fine. Um, to a large degree, like, I mean, I like Alaska very much, but at the same time, by the time that the show was like progressing, I was just like, I really kind of want Katya to win. And I'm a little disappointed that she didn't win because Especially over the last two weeks, she's been very, 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 very good, and I was, I was kind, of, I was glad that she was in the top three. Um, but yeah, I could if I, I really feel like that Katya probably should have won, maybe. But I mean, we like you said, we all knew that this was going to be Alaska through and through. So yeah, um, how did you feel about it? I'm, I'm very glad that Alaska was funny yeah. at the end. I think that was very necessary to just kind of remind us, oh, you've, I've, you've been entertaining this entire season. We just kind of forgot because you were so entitled and such a brat last week. Um, you know, like just this heard screeching of, oh, I need to win. I need, it's like, you realize everybody who's here also really, really wants to win, right? They're just not being a diva about it. They're just not like, throwing a hissy fit about how they need to win and therefore everybody else needs to lose um yeah so when when she was doing the very like why do you deserve to win thing and it was so fun and so like you know organic and everything it that really helped for me um i think that she has in the whole really delivered all season i think she deserves the crown. I think that Katya also, I would have been very happy if she had gotten it. Um, and Alaska is really good. I just don't find several of her, her bits entertaining. So like her just saying anus is not funny to me and it has never been funny to me. And it's come back several times just time and again that's like one of her catchphrases i guess anus thing is possible um i don't find the voice entertaining or funny i just it just feels very repetitive i find her sense of humor and her wit and her comebacks entertaining this is why i like bianca del rio this is why i i enjoy katia's uh i enjoy her intelligence I enjoyed watching earlier in the season when we got to see Alyssa in, especially in like the talking heads earlier in the season, be more cunning and, and crafty and, and just self-aware. I would, that really made me, me appreciate her a lot more, just how much of her persona is a choice and is something that she adopts as opposed to just like a default setting. So for, for me, I, I would have been happy to see Katya in, um, I I would have I think I think Detox has just been killing it all season with with the looks that that she's been delivering. I thought that they're uh fantastic. So I liked that that there was so much love given to 
the three finalists. I like that Roxy was out of there immediately. Um, and I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm fine with Alaska winning because she did do a terrific job pretty much all season, but it's, I, you know, I do think it's kind of a shame that she, that she didn't seem like she was called out by anyone for her entitlement, her sense of like, I deserve this more than anyone else when really she, she, she doesn't like everybody really wants it and nobody was like nobody called her out to say you're acting acting like a brat because everything you're saying in this in the you know when she had her meltdown was a, just a slap in the face of these people who have been right next to you working their butts off all season and delivering too um so that was my only kind of hesitation about it yeah i mean there's a mention of it during like the judges um critiques but i mean it's very very quick and it's nothing grounded in anything like a everyone else has been working really hard girl just get over it type of thing um mm-hmm. so it's like a oh you had a bad week but you bounced back really nicely type of thing and that's how it was framed and it was just like uh it was a very bad week that she said a lot of really rude things um maybe deal with that a little bit more so but it was also yeah, have some grace right but it's also just like eh, we don't want to do this because we're like at the finale basically i feel like yeah. if it had happened like way earlier then something i think that would have become a much larger point but because it was in like right before the finale it's just like oh well this is all we're gonna do with this because they haven't really spent a lot of time with them like in the workroom with anything compared to a normal season so there hasn't been time for that kind of stuff. Um, it's all been shoehorned into the like the last little bit when they decide who they're going to eliminate. And so I think that that kind of idea of a lot of drama got lost a little bit, especially after like Adore left. Adore and Fifi left. Um, that, that just kind of all got pushed aside because everyone else was just until Alaska's breakdown was just basically super professional and it's just like you guys aren't giving us anything for the drama the producers are probably shouting and (laughs) so we ended up with just a very competition heavy version of the show which was okay in the end I think um but I wasn't completely blown away but I also like I said I think a couple of weeks ago or even last week I'm just kind of like burnt out on the whole format um so I kind of need Mm -hmm. a break from the show Fair enough. Uh, what did you think of the raps? Uh, I thought the rap was fine. Um, I enjoyed Katya's section the best, even though I really did enjoy um, Detox's um, chair choreography. I thought it was really great. Um, mm-hmm. But I really liked the look, too, with the pigtails. Yes, the pigtails was, was really, really good, I thought, as well. Um, yeah, I thought it was fine. I liked, I also liked some of the staging for like um, Roxy stuff with the books and everything. I thought it was a really nice way to tie it all together. But, like, Roxy's just not super great at that kind of stuff. And it it comes through again. And that's just, that's who she is as a queen. And that's fine. Um, which is why, like, she should have left the show much earlier. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I like the rap just fine. Um, but I enjoyed Katya's, if just for Lenin in the streets, Dostoevsky in the sheets is just the best thing yeah. ever. Like, <laughs> I don't think that there's anything better than that. So, I'm not even quite sure how that works. Does it just mean you last a really long time because Dostoevsky's books are really long? You don't, you're thinking too much. Yeah, I probably am. No, not necessary. <laughs> you either need to think way less or way more about that line. There's no middle ground. So either it's like a, the foundation of a, of a thesis or 
yeah or, or or you just let you know let it just live in the ether um yeah I, I thought that you know that was that was a fun part of the episode and i i'm gonna watch the reunion thing next week are you gonna watch it or are you done um if amazon prime not if amazon prime if amazon puts it up as part of the season i'll buy it to watch it um just to see like the discussion and everything but um yeah so i'll do that if uh, amazon posts it i don't know if they will or not probably but i don't know yeah, yeah. okay then the last thing I'll I'll say here with RuPaul's Drag Race is since you're you know enjoy Katya so much, uh, I do recommend to any of our listeners and also of course Noel to you, uh, if you are a fan of Katya's, go check out the Tom Lorenzo podcast, uh, Pop Style Opinion Fest because they had Katya on last week to talk for like twenty thirty minutes about the show and about about like drag drag and the future of drag and um where she falls on the the gender spectrum and and philosophy between all this stuff and it was really very interesting so highly recommended um people go check that out but our last show this week in tv is hold and catch fire which had its finale nim and next and we jumped forward in time again we're now officially in the 90s um, and you were leery about the time jump in the previous episode. What did you think about that setting here? It's a very different position. We find all our characters. Yeah. Um, no, I'm like always like really iffy, like you said about time skips. Um, but I found myself being completely okay with them here. And even to the point where the fact that the show had basically circled back to where it started with, um, joe cameron and gordon as a trio and donna kind of on the outside um i feel like was something that the show was angling for from like the beginning of this season and i was really curious about how they were going to get there without making me feel very annoyed and a time skip is a good way to make me feel very annoyed but i feel like everything that happened within especially within the span of next um completely and totally justified where they ended up and I didn't have any problems with it, which really surprised me because I was really kind of concerned about the fact that Cameron and Gordon would ever let themselves be in a position where they're working with, um, with Joe, um, ever again. And here they are basically working on the first ever web browser. And that's just insane to me that they're all in that place again, but I, that I totally buy it. And that Donna is like, kind of the antagonist now which is a development that i think can be really interesting for the show to play with and i'm really excited about what that can mean um just for the show but also for more really neat stuff from carrie bichet since the show somehow amc just went yeah we'll give you 10 more episodes go do your thing and it's just like thank god um but so i really enjoyed these two episodes i even enjoyed the fact that the finale is just for the most part people yelling at a whiteboard and the fact that they made that really compelling television and also explain like what the difference between the internet and the World Wide Web is was also really fun because we just use those synonymously, even though they're actually kind of different. Um, so I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I enjoyed their explanations of like walled gardens and everything. I mean, this is something that's always been really interesting to me anyway. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed um, the stuff at Comdex. And yeah, I just, I really like both of these episodes a great deal. So I was really surprised and I'm really eager to see what the show can do to wrap things up. I feel like 10 episodes is just enough and I'm very, very excited to see them create whatever their web browser is going to be. Um, 
I'm half convinced they're going to call it Destiny, but we'll see. <laughs> um, how did you feel about this um, two-part finale and where everyone ended up? I, I thought it was terrific. Again, I the season's been so strong, so consistent throughout, and the the dynamics between the characters where we find them at the end. I mean, if I have to pick a character, I guess Donna's my favorite. Donna's the best. Um, I don't I don't know why you're saying that with like, a questioning up voice. Donna's the best. Well, because because <laughs> I also am very like I'm I'm very attached to Cameron too. So that's where where it's hard. I don't like it when mommy and mommy fight. Um but uh the the dynamic we were getting between those three in the in the finale is interesting, and but what I appreciate is because yes, it's very much back to season one, and as you know, long term listeners will know, that's not a good thing for me. But these, th- there's so much history between these characters now. There's so much going on between them that they all know, and who knows what, and who doesn't know what, and like, like between between gordon's uh medical stuff and whatever we didn't even see with um joe back you know the last time they had all seen him before comdex uh so like there's 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 a lot of history and everything that we're seeing feels very informed by that history both the history that we have viewed in the previous seasons and other stuff that we don't know about yet uh, so, so it felt very organic, and it feels, you know, like like they're they feel like people who you can see maybe falling into the same patterns and making the same mistakes, but also equally feasibly for me, learning from them and growing and doing something different. So it doesn't feel like Joe is just wheedling them and we'll do exactly the same thing to them that happened before it feels like he could just as easily still be the exact same guy or be a completely different person um and that potentially you you never really know with people i mean unless you have a very fixed philosophy of the world but at a certain point you have to decide if you're going to take a chance on someone if they've hurt you in the past and and you, they can't know what Joe's going to do or what Donna's going to do or, you know, these different people. So they have to just take a leap of faith. And I think these episodes, especially, you know, the second episode really captures, captures that. And I trust the show enough to think the show is not going to just retread the same ground. So I, I think they've set it up really nicely for a fourth and final season that, that feels right with what we've seen this season. I don't know that they can recapture the height of this season, um, just because the season's been really strong, but no matter what, I'm very interested to see what comes next. Yeah. Um, I, I think that your point about like the heights is probably justified. I think that going in with like, okay, last season, they're going to be spinning quite a few plates, um, to get to a conclusion that feels very organic. And I, and I honestly would not be surprised if there's at least another time skip, uh, within the next season at some point where they're inventing Twitter. Um, yeah, I could see I could see uh, Twitter as an entertaining, you know, few, like I'm trying to think of how Twitter would be shaped by by these creators and like the uh, like, like Cameron's version of that. I don't know that like 
I guess there's enough snark. There's enough snark in that room to make Twitter make sense. Yeah, I think that's true. And <laughs> and I I think that it would feed into this idea about like everyone wanting to make connections, um, but f- do it in like a safest way possible. And 140 ca- a character limited messaging service seems like the best way to do that. Maybe, maybe just as a way to make sure Joe can't monologue. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you can't monologue, Joe. Sorry. No, this isn't a Facebook post. Well, uh, yeah, I I think we can agree, though. We're just like, who would have thought that at the beginning of the season that they were going to get a season? Like, we didn't think they'd get a season three, let alone a season four. So it's pretty exciting that they'll be back next year. Uh, Well, what wins your week in TV, Noel? Um, I'll give it to the Halt and Catch uh, Fire finale, Um, considering that this was the, the one new thing this week. That I could really pay attention to, um, <laughs> without like being in a without needing to be like, oh, I can't really watch this because I can't put my glasses on because it's all in my ear. Um, so I was able to watch Halt and Catch Fire and follow it without a falling asleep or b wanting to fall asleep, which is what happened to a lot of programming this week. Um, so it's definitely Halt and Catch Fire, but it was also just very very good. Uh, what about you? What won your week? Uh, well, if I'm honest, uh, Michelle Obama's speech. In New Hampshire. Oh, gosh, was, wasn't that fantastic? So good. It just, yeah. yeah, I've been telling everyone that they should watch it because it was truly fantastic and all of the feels and yeah, so good. I think that's totally worth winning your week. Yeah, yeah. I would go with that. So I, I'm, there's, you know, and other other than that, though, I'll, I'll give it to Halt and Catch Fire because I, you know, it was a strong finale. And, and I always appreciate, uh, especially when we know there's going to be a next season, a finale that really sets out a very clear trajectory for what's coming next. And it just get, reinforces, you know, our confidence in the, the writers and, and the creators over there. So uh, certainly... Like I keep saying, looking forward to that. A few show notes here at the end of the podcast, or the end of our week in TV, I should say. You can find a post for this episode over at thetelverse.org, the website for the podcast, and you can leave a comment and let us know what you thought about the week's TV. You can email us, televerse at gmail.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and comment. We got a comment over there this week, um, and I, I apologize. I did, did not write down from whom, but they were complimenting your curtain analogy from last week, Noel, oh, about superhero cool. shows. Was this on Facebook or in this the This is on email? Facebook. Oh, yes. well, I'll have to go read the actual Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, or you can message us over there. Like we said, we heard from Dominic this week. We always lo- love hearing from you guys. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher. We appreciate any ratings or reviews over there. Uh, and, of course, you can find us both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And, of course, Noel, we can also see your writing over... Over at uh, tvguide.com, I'm doing, like, flash pieces. I don't get to do reviews. I get to do, like, pieces of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> anyways, we can go check that out at tvguide.com. Uh, now we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back to talk Beverly Hills 90210 with friend of the show from the AV Club, Latoya Ferguson. <laughs> we have thoughts. We definitely have, we have thoughts, listeners. It's, good. it's a lot of fun. Uh, so we'll be right back after that. Kelly, you're looking good. He has never said hello to me before. Okay, so I changed your life. Hey, maybe I should have the bump taken off mine. I had a, uh, a deviated septum. Rhinoplasty, no? A nose job? It's beautiful. It is, isn't it? <laughs> God, I wish I looked like this when I was a freshman. Who are you waving to? My brother Brandon. Oh, he's cute. 
Oh, God, he's hanging out with Steve Sanders. Who's that? <laughs> My ex. He's having a tough time getting the message that it's L-V-E-R. My sister over there. She's hanging out with Kelly Taylor. The blonde? Yeah. She's cute. Yeah, it's my ex-girlfriend. What happened? I dumped her. Back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsuk, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week on the DVD shelf, we are talking about a show I completely missed in its initial run. Uh, it's been a big 90s gap for me. Uh, that's Beverly Hills 90210. I'm excited to fill in that gap and talk a little bit just about, about this staple, but also just the 90s is so strong in this. We'll get there. Uh, but joining us, coming back to the, to the podcast from the AV Club, from Inverse, and from Mike, Latoya Ferguson. Latoya, welcome back. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So you wanted to talk Beverly Hills 90210, and I completely missed this when it was on the air. I think at this time, was this early 90s, 90s, like it was 10 years. The last season was in 2000. So yeah, so it's not early 90s. It's the entire 90s. Uh, I was too busy watching Buffy and TGIF. (laughs) Those are good choices still. (laughs) I was not watching during the original run, but when FX started airing it, like, and they do like four episodes, like a day, basically, that's what I like. That's what hooked me, basically. FX. Yeah, FX was good. (laughs) FX also filled up the, like, the holes in my Buffy viewing at that time, too. Mm -hmm. So it helped a lot. Ah, ah, very, that's, that's just a very different type of, F- yeah. of FX and where we find ourselves now. But that's that's entertaining. Um, so what made you want to talk about Beverly Hills 90210? I always want to talk about Beverly Hills 90210. And I have so, so little outlets, uh, basically. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, I got the chance to write about all of the Thanksgiving episodes of the show, which are really, especially if you've never seen the show, like you, Kate, mm-hmm. it's kind of insane to watch season by season, especially as the cast change. And by towards the later episode, it's just whole people. You're like, I've never seen them before in my life. And how are they even tangentially related to the original main characters? It's pretty amazing. Well, yeah, the this is a show. Obviously, it starts with a bunch of high schoolers. That well, they're supposed to be high schoolers, <laughs> um, uh, sophomores, and then goes through high school and then college and then beyond. Um, but they they really go out of their way. Various, but the, this. It starts with the Walshes moving from Minnesota to, to Beverly Hills. And then by season, what, like five or six, there's no more Walshes left? Yeah, there's definitely no more Walsh parents. Mm-hmm. And Brenda Walsh is gone because of Shannon Doherty. Uh-huh. And yeah, there's there's definitely 
it become the the soul Walsh is basically Jason Priestley. And he he does eventually, but I think you're right. You're right. He that's not until he later. The last season, basically, and he's oh, just okay. a guest there. But yeah. there are so many other main characters by that point who have nothing to do with Walsh's that it's like it's not about the Walsh's anymore. Yeah. Well, and and I enjoyed when they brought in the fifth season. Tiffany Amber Thiessen comes in because uh, Shannon Doherty had left the show or been fired, whatever. She was no longer on the show, and so they brought T- Tiffany Amber Thiessen in to be the new. I guess Brenda. Uh, the I guess the, she's a new bad girl, but yeah. Brenda was never really the bad girl. She was yeah. kind of more petulant than anything. Yeah. Petulant's a good word for Brenda. <laughs> but they make sure that she's not related to anyone, so there there can be optimal various love triangle potentials. She's a family friend of the Walshes and not their cousin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but they make that clear. <laughs> what was really interesting for me, because I, I I know a bunch of people who 90210 is just like a staple of was the staple of their their viewing in the 90s or later and uh, have very strong emotions about the show so for me it was very it, it was interesting to to dive in with it but also it was this is just not a Kate show and so I was watching especially I think I think some of the episodes I saw were much more charming to me and and I could see very much the appeal of the show I had trouble though with many of the ones i dipped in on i expected supreme 90s i expected some ridiculousness i expected you know brandon Saul's racism several times it's important (laughs) and there's a lot of issues racism so many times i know it's amazing that it's still an issue i think that's what we need right now is we need brandon to show up and solve racism in our country again and then we'll all be fine um but uh what i did not anticipate and what ended up being like the biggest hurdle for me was not the 90s ness was not like andrea the actress being like way too old to be i'm sorry Kate, it's, it's andrea. andrea andrea you're right you're right andrea it was i there was there was a lot of sexism there was so much toxic masculinity in this show and it's everywhere on it. At least in the the episodes that that I I watched, I did like a smattering. There's you know there's 293 episodes. I wasn't gonna be able to watch them all, but um, that was what really really struck me. And I'm curious if that's just like something that people didn't notice at the time. If that's just coming in with you know a a 2016 perspective on this stuff. Of course, you know there's been a lot going on in our country right now to make you know unwanted uh uh advances and sexually uh, slut shaming and and all of this be very much in the public consciousness but um but yeah i was i did not expect that and i guess maybe i should have i don't know what do you what do you what do you guys think about that latoya what do you think about that uh yeah i definitely see it there and i think honestly that the show gets better about it as they get older which well good because characters should grow up basically but you know it's a lot of it is like in the first uh was it first season uh yeah the end of first season uh that's the when dylan and brenda they have sex right and uh if you know the, the backstory basically or you watch the unauthorized beverly hills 920 movie <laughs> uh the network was basically like oh, okay she's gonna lose her virginity but then she has to be punished with a pregnancy scare so even a woman can't enjoy sex, basically, at, at that early, because it was supposed to be like a wholesome show, you know? But wholesome uh, apparently means, you know, set gender standards, which don't really hold up mm-hmm. that well. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's it's so, it's very, like, 
I mean, we've been harping on the 90s, but I mean, it's very much grounded in sort of a 90s discourse. Like even the um, episode where um, Kelly dresses up in like a sexy Halloween costume and Mm -hmm. has to navigate like date rape discourse is really bizarre because everyone's espousing different perspectives on date rape and whether or not she's to blame for it because of how she dressed. And I think even like, um, I'm looking at the cast list. I think even like Donna, suggests that Kelly was asking for it at some point. But and I should point out that Donna is very dumb. Donna <laughs> is very dumb. And that's um, like the character trait. Uh, I know a lot of the toxic masculinity, especially in those early seasons, comes from the Ian Zirin character, Steve. Ah, oh, he's the worst. Is, I know, but from just from rewatching, <laughs> especially for that uh, Thanksgiving thing, I, Steve kind of became my favorite character because he's like the one character who actually truly grows like a human being would, mm-hmm. and he becomes like the best person on the show, surrounded by monsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, Steve is terrible. Uh, at least the, the episodes that I saw him in, which were mostly early episodes. Yeah, um, he's supposed to, supposed to be the, the comic relief meathead, basically. Yeah, to the point where I'm like, okay, these, some of these, these other characters don't seem too bad. Why are you friends with this guy? Why would you ever spend time with someone who treats anyone the way that he treats people, but very specifically the how creepy he is with all of the women all the time. So possessive and controlling and like, like seriously, you'd leave some extra distance and space and not want to be alone with him. If, if it was me and I was in that school, I Oh God. Um, and so I'm glad to hear that that they really progressed the character over time. Uh, the the later episodes that I saw didn't feature him much, so I didn't get a chance to see that. But um, I did watch the finale, and the finale, of course, uh, has the the Donna and David wedding with the super gross. Let's list every sexual conquest of David and ogle them all in their absence, which is just. Really, again, very, very gross. Uh, so that didn't really yes. help him. But, um, but I'm glad to hear that he does. They do grow the character eventually, and there is there is an accuracy to the gross petulance and uh, like, and again, toxic masculinity of Steve as a high schooler, and then hopefully being able to grow out of it. But for me, I just needed him to constantly be called out on it and it never it never happens compare it to the the constant wokeness of brennan walsh though (laughs) he's so woke god he and audrey are just both woking all over the place Mm -hmm. and it's terrible (laughs) well i skipped right over this normally i go uh throw it to noel uh, and i I forgot to do that noel what was your relationship with the show had you seen 90210 when it was on the air Sure, um, a little bit. Actually, my mom was a huge fan of 90210. Um, I think because it itched her um, soap opera sweet spot uh, back when she was still watching soaps. And so she would watch this on Fox. Um, though now, looking, having gone back, I'm just like, Mom, why were you watching a soap opera about teenagers? See, um, my mom was more a Melrose Place person, and I wasn't allowed to watch that. So My mom watched <laughs> Melrose Place, too, but I think she liked 90210 better. So it was, it was a very weird type of scenario now that I went back and watched, watched some of this. Um, so I'd seen like some episodes, um, but I went back through and watched like a hand smattering, like four or five episodes from like seasons one through, I want to say six. I definitely got to like Brandon standing up to the progressive student caucus and being like, you guys are too radical incrementalism. (laughs) And it's just gets back to Brandon being so woke. Uh, (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, so this was never a show that I watched consistently. I, I was very bad about watching uh, teen-centered programming by the time I was a teenager, which is when the show went off the air. So I was very bad about watching like the WB. Um, I was snobby and watched the West Wing instead. Um, so cool. Uh, so yeah, this was never something that was particularly on my radar, and I never really went back to watching it um, on like FX, which had just so many syndicated reruns back before it went for quality programming. I mean, I wish they would just keep both. They can have the quality programming at night and then just do all the syndicated reruns. Right. Win-win. No, it'd be great. That way we could still be watching the practice. Exactly. This is the true <laughs> peak TV right here. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, the, um, the, the, what was sort of fun aside from just like filling in, like pop culture reference gaps of which there were so many that just things just like clicked and I was like oh okay yeah <laughs> like like even just we we've recently done uh um the state and just the I'm out of character from the state I just felt so directly lifted from what I from 902 and I was like oh okay I already liked that now I like it more um, but what was what was fun for me was discovering some of these different actors that I was less familiar with, um, and, and watching you know the ones that I am more familiar with, seeing like like Baby Shannon Doherty. Like there's at least one. I remember there was a, an a exchange uh, with Brandon and Brenda about do you ever wish that you could just like wake up and do your day over again? And, and I'm like I saw that episode of Charmed, Shannon Doherty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was fun to see some of those figures, but like for me, the my experience watching this was was just kind of a combination of not for me ness and then certain corners of the show that I really enjoyed. So like Brian Austin Green as freshman Dave, just he's so tiny, and I love it. It's so it's like a little slice of of freaks and geeks. And then he has his growth spurt, like, in the second season. Yeah, it's completely different. But, like, watching, you know, it was so refreshing. When you, I don't know how they have much more freshman-looking, especially with the costume and everything, Brian Austin Green, right next to Andrea, who's supposed to be one year older than him. Uh, but, <laughs> but I really was enjoying sort of that clash between uh, the different inspirations, I guess, for the show and the different types of things it wanted to explore. So that was fun for me. And then also, I mean... You specifically, Latoya, had recommended watching um, the first Tiffany Amber Thiessen episode because she comes in and is such a, a, a different, uh, like a different, I guess, vibe for the show, and, and she's a lot of fun on the show. And I really enjoyed her. I, when she comes back in the series finale, I was getting such a strong Tammy Taylor vibe from her that I think between Fastlane and this, you've made me out just a full-on Tiffany Amber yes. fan, LaToya. Yes, it worked! <laughs> <laughs> Do you then guys... that, becomes a, that becomes a question of what Tiffany Amber Thiessen show are you going to come on and discuss next? <laughs> I don't want to have to discuss White Collar. Mm-hmm. I might have to. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. But yeah, I, she just is so incredibly charming when she shows up and... In, I feel and like you energetic. should just watch the Tiffany Thiessen seasons, honestly. Maybe I, think you probably I should. get what you want from them, too. But but I, I did enjoy seeing, like, there's you, there's some, for me, there's some, like, element of, oh, that's so cute. They're trying to talk about it. They're so wrong about so much of it, but hey, at least they're trying. And, and sometimes it was, it was, it was really touching and interesting and fun to see them take on these issues and to become such an issue 
based, very special episode kind of based show. And other times you just want to like just smack your head against the wall because it's so uh, tone deaf. So it was just interesting to see, I guess for me, to see the the approach on the show and to remember this is a show that ran for 10 years. It was hugely, hugely popular. Uh, I don't know. It's just an intersection of a lot of very different impulses. Agreed. It is. Um, I think that this, I think that a lot of the show gets best described when um, Latoya mentioned this idea of needing to punish Donna, not Donna, Brenda, with the pregnancy scare is that, I mean, every, may have just been the smattering episodes I watched, but every episode very much felt like a very special episode of we're going to do this and we're going to reach out and talk about this particular hot button issue. Especially early on. Yeah. Especially early on. Right. Like the high school episodes are basically just nothing but that. And then Dylan's dad blows up in a car, Uh, (laughs) which is ridiculous. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of like trying to do like public service type of um, ways of approaching this through f- scripted programming, which I think is also like we've been saying a very '90s type of thing to do um, when you're trying to hit that particular audience um, of young people at the time. You're just like, well, what can we show them and what can we like reach out and expose them to? So we're gonna have Brandon again, solve racism, but we're also going to have discussions about date rape. We're going to have discussions about drug use, um, bullying, um, and all sorts of things. And we're going to do it in like very bizarre sort of ways. Sometimes like Dylan having a, his like more rebelling version of himself, encouraging him to make bad decisions at the same time. And an episode directed by James Whitmore Jr. Who like we all know now from like the good wife specifically, but also episodes of like NCIS and so on. And so it's just a very, it's a very 90s show in not only from the fashion and everything, but from the fact that everyone, every episode is very driven by trying to teach us something about something. And I think there's a novelty in that and also something to be valued in that, even if it's not necessarily the most well executed, especially by today's standards. I mean, I think it's important to always kind of like treat something that's so grounded in in the decade that it's a part of to think about how these discourses were working within the context of that time period and how successful they were at doing that. And it's entirely possible that people thought that this was a really good way of doing that. Even if now we're just like, uh, not so much guys. (laughs) But at least they were talking about that, those things that even though it was in a very hampered in some sometimes just toxic way. Yeah. Well, and of course it just prompts the question then what show that we consider really topical and, and, uh, and thoughtful and groundbreaking and, and woke now, are we going to look back on in 25 years and be like, Oh guys, it was so terrible. You know, Cause well, I feel bad for the day. Uh, all those, uh, former Gleeks realize how bad it was. <laughs> oh, man. That is going to be rough when we realize how bad Glee was. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, that, that is a conversation for another DVD shelf, uh, hopefully distant DVD shelf. Um, but what do you guys have, you know, like particular eras of the show that you really keyed into that you had more fun with or characters or arcs? I mean, I think because there's so many extreme things that happen on this show, you know, Noel, you already mentioned, of course, uh, Dylan's dad getting blowed up. Um, 
the I think it's really easy to kind of pinpoint like eras of the show based on even either like the various couples that are happening or the you know so and so gets a job at the you know fill in the blank um did you guys have particular chunks of the show that you keyed into more and you really enjoyed i mean i i I don't know if you watched the episodes but uh of course the emily valentine era is -hmm. very important for how she she snapped and it was entertaining to watch even though they handle it completely terribly after the fact but yeah, that's uh, always some good stuff. Uh, that and David's music career, because we got some some jams uh, <laughs> like "Precious to Me," very good song, classic. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, eventually Brian Austin Green decided to rap, so we should always be happy for that. So that's the thing that happened. Yeah, Emily is such a, an interesting character because, like, you're watching it like, oh, so here's a character who actually has a much more positive relationship with sex, and she loses her virginity. Um, it's implied uh, to to Brandon, and it does and doesn't you know become some huge thing until she goes crazy. Yeah, and <laughs> so. it's one of those things because it was I guess in the nineties and they weren't really talking about it. Like Emily Valentine's clearly bipolar, mm-hmm. and they don't really address that fact at all ever. Yeah, even though they kind of should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Noel, how about you? Any characters stick out or uh, performances? Um, I remember thinking about just the bizarreness of the uh, Brandon Walsh love triangle um, that I think pops up in like season four or season five. I think it's season five with um, Kathleen Robertson as Claire. And I forget who the other woman in that that triangle is that then gets kind of undone by Kelly in a very weird way. But it's just like they're all chasing after Brandon. And I'm just like, but I don't get why he's the most dullest white bread guy ever. But you don't understand, um, he's so woke. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, Emily, I'm, not Emily, but like, um, Claire is just so not, it's just so weirdly aggressive and everything. I'm just like, but why do you want boring Brandon? <laughs> um, so it's just a very well, she weird... she does get with Steve then. She does get with Steve, right. And they're which... actually a... a pretty decent relationship too it's part of you know steve actually growing as a human being whereas brandon is always brandon yes that's no that's a really good point um but i remember that love triangle which is like towards the end of like a finale part where he brandon and kelly finally like really get together um but yeah it was just it was a very bizarre moment when i was watching the show and also dylan's dad blowing up in the car and (laughs) dylan's response to that going no and it's just, it's so terrible. <laughs> yeah, Dylan did not have good luck with cars. Dylan did not have good luck. Yeah. Yeah, he did not have good luck, period. <laughs> you're, you're talking, though, Noel, about, about um, you know, Brandon being so, so white bread. But keep in mind that Dylan is the rebel of the show. So. And he's the richest one. <laughs> yeah. So really on the scale of you know, of options that, that, that the female characters have uh, in this world, it's... You're not, I mean, I guess there isn't there, there's that, um, the jerk that Donna's, Ray, right? Wait, what? Sorry. We have, we have Ray for a little bit there, but really. Oh, yeah. Who's terrible, but, like, there's not a real variety of, there, there's a lot more variety, I would say, in the women than we get in the men. Yeah, there's Ray, and then there's the guy, the, the boring guy after Ray, who I always forget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of variety in the women 
not so much in the men really. Yeah. That's I guess that's how like Daniel Cosgrove got to be a main character for fifty <laughs> episodes at the end of the series. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and in the the by the end of the show, the there are these sort of these returns to the couple. So, so obviously, we have Dave and Donna, which Latoya is a you know someone who's seen a lot more of the show. Were you as invested in that in that pairing as God, the show? David's wanted? an idiot. I mean, Donna's <laughs> an idiot in a different way than David is. David's yeah. just he's David can be a pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The show really wanted me to care about that. I was like, and it's like, okay, you guys have done the work, like, in the earlier seasons to, like, be like, they're the, it's their first love and everything, but... And then David just became a skis. Yeah. He's but... really skeezy. So skeezy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and then at the end, they, they have, you know, a potential... What we're supposed to think is, like, a forever forever couple thing with Kelly and, and Dylan, and they were trying to get me to buy that one, too, and I wasn't quite going in on that. I don't know. I guess... I, I really can't say I'm a shipper for this show because I don't care enough. But I really, I thought that Brandon and Kelly made more sense, but he wasn't going to come they're, back. They're both pretty terrible, so they do belong together. Yeah, I you know, I, I don't know. I it's, it's strange for me to not have very strong, like, shipping, like, rooting interests, because well, normally I, yeah. I do. <laughs> I guess I agree, because this is a show that's, like, basically all about shipping, and I guess I'm not too much of a shipper here but i have like my ride or die characters i think mm. maybe i could vaguely say i shipped claire and steve just mm-hmm. like hey yay healthy relationship you know yeah but yeah it's i wouldn't say a lot of shipping goes unless i'm like brandon and kelly can be together just because they're the worst and i want them away from other people <laughs> <laughs> i i'm if they had done it i might have been able to get behind um brandon and andrea but i actually i liked for what I saw of how they handled that friendship. Uh, and and I, I thought they did a pretty decent job again, unless I skipped over some troublesome episodes of, of just handling, like, no, he's not into you and her having a crush and then kind of dealing with that and moving on and then being surprisingly I mean, he, mature he about it. He her on a bunch though. Oh yeah. Like yeah, prom, yeah, he, he got, does. got them a hotel room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's Fair really enough. mean to her. Yeah, but then like, it's she... thing where everyone knows that she's into him, and he is well aware. It's not like he's even oblivious, mm-hmm. and he he plays with that. Well, then, uh, but but I feel like with the reaction of like let's have her randomly get knocked up and married in Jeez. her first year because the actress was pregnant. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. But hey, they finally got rid of found a way to get rid of Andrea, who was already too old for the show in season one. Yeah, well. I think we're, it's easy to go down a rabbit hole um, with the different, like, because I mean, we could also talk about Kelly was in a cult. Oh, and God, all these cult. different things. Various drug addictions on the show, back and forth. Um, but I think before we run out of time here, let's talk about, like, standout episodes, moments, and what do you guys feel like? What Where's the place of the show now? Is this one that is breaks through, or is it just more meaningful to a particular generation of TV fans who really connected with it at the right age. Do you think this is one that people are going to come back to and discover later and find more meaning in? I must say both because obviously the nostalgia is there, but I think it's just a, a good workable template for, you know, a teen drama and just even a nighttime soap at all. Like, I think it's important for, for the, the conventions, even though, you know, obviously a lot of things don't stand the test of time, but just the, base, the basic, uh, from the casting to the writing, I, I think it, it does stand the test of time in that way. You just have to remember it was the 90s. <laughs> well and on the show uh, on the podcast i've now filled in several gaps 
of like teen shows that I never because I was never like even a Saved by the Bell person. I was a Boy Meets World, and like that's it, you know. So so like it's like I wasn't watching teen shows like shows about people in high school. So I've since watched you know with um, I guess here we watch um, the OC and Gossip Girl, and I'm sure there are many others that are you know in my TV commenting future, but seeing like sort of the progression of of high school shows is is it's sort of filling in that gap is really interesting for when when are high school shows high school set shows for high schoolers and when are they for middle schoolers and when are they for adults because <laughs> parts of this show feel like they're supposed to be for high schoolers and some parts feel like they're for middle schoolers who want to aspire to this is what their high school experience will be um but I feel like a show like, I don't know, like, like Vampire Diaries or, or Gossip Girl is much more for adults with wish fulfillment than actually for, or, or like, just like escape, you know, escapism than it is for people who are actually in high school. I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I think the show would want to say, especially in the later seasons for adults, but I can see it being for teens and like an aspirational type thing. I agree on, on that front. Definitely. No. I think Latoria's mention of the show as a template is really, really important to keep in mind. Um, when maybe that, like this isn't a show that we go back to in a lot of ways, and I mean, I don't even know if it's syndicated anywhere right now. It probably is, but um, it's at least on Hulu for the most part. Um, and so looking back and seeing the template for this and how a lot of what this show does can give rise to, like, say, the WB, um, I think it's pretty important to take away from. And also just to keep in mind, like, I mean, the CW did a 90210, like, reboot-type thing that didn't go very well, but still had a number of the cast... Uh, watch every episode. There you go, see? Um, Maybe he's a deadbeat dad, just so you know. Oh, of course he was. Of course he was. Um, so I think that that's just one of the things that, to keep in mind, that it may be like the show's unsung legacy, as it were, that this show set up a bunch of um, norms and conventions that, that got carried through to, on shows that probably maybe got more attention, or we think of more fun than we necessarily think of a show that ran for 10 years on Fox um, and helped to and help in no small part to, like, keep Fox going. And I think that that's a really significant thing to uh, keep in mind with the show and to think about that landscape and where it fit, basically. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a great note to, to wrap up on. Do we have any final thoughts on 90210? Favorite episodes? Favorite characters? Any any of that good stuff, Latoya? I guess my favorite characters are, are the bad girls. Uh, obviously, Thiessen's Valerie... Uh, but I'd say uh, also uh, Gina Kincaid, played by Vanessa Marcel, also, like, she filled the role that was missing when Valerie left because we needed that. Because it can't just be a show about Kelly Taylor as much as they tried. No, I'll uh, second the uh, nomination of um, Valerie. Um, I think that she just brings a lot to the show um, and freshens up dynamics in a really exciting way beyond just the, oh, well, plenty of love love options now with this character. No, it's it's more than that. It's very much that she shifted up a lot of the dynamics for the show. Um, and Thiessen's performance is just really, really good, and it's better than most of the performances are um, throughout and, the run of the show. And the, char- the character often calls out the other characters for the hypocrites are just downright assholes they are, which is always... Always, always welcome. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Kate? Well, my final thought is, because we've already touched on the characters that I had the most fun with, um, but my my final thought is, guys, they were doing 32 episodes a season. Right? 32. That's like like 50s westerns number of episodes a season. That's crazy. Can you imagine that being on that set and being like, oh man, we got episode 22, woohoo! Another 10 to film. That's crazy. No wonder Shannon Doherty snapped then, or anymore. Man, that's, yeah. There's just, I just, 
it's so different than the TV landscape we're in now where Lethal Weapon just got picked up for the remainder of the season of like, I think they got five more. So they're going to do like 18 and that's going to be a full season. It's just very different than even the teens shows and the soaps are um, like the nighttime soaps are right now. Something like Empire wouldn't imagine trying to do 30 episodes in a season. They can barely keep up with the episodes they have right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it was a different time, gentle listeners. It was a different time. Um, but I'm glad to now be somewhat more literate in the 90s TV conversation, in the teen show conversation. And I mean, this is, again, it was not for 10 years. This is a show that people grew up with and watched, I'm sure, very religiously, had very strong connections to. And so I'm very glad to now uh, be able to engage in that conversation I'll tell you thank you so much for broadening my tv horizons um not a problem <laughs> where can listeners find you and your work online oh well, of course you can find me on twitter uh, at lafergs uh, so writing for av club and i've been uh, recapping arrow for inverse and recapping blackish for mike so you can check those out you can check me out on social media well thank you once more for coming on and thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse mm-hmm.